a golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> I don't know who's weirder, you or me. You just put the law in my hands, and I'm gonna break your heart with it. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. There is no baby. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Movies for Life. I am one of your co-hosts, Michelle Egan. And I'm your other co-host, Brian Kuyper. And hey, can you believe it's time for another Forever Favorites episode? It honestly feels like we just recorded one. Which we kind of did. We kind of did, yeah. We, we, <laughs> because we're we, doing we, a lot of recording. We have in been. close succession. It's been fun because, you know, we've released every two weeks, but we've been recording almost every yeah. week. <laughs> almost. Um, pretty close uh, we just have had a lot of we've just been really excited to get to some of these movies that were i think so yeah I that we have planned ahead and we're just like oh i can't wait to talk about that i can't wait to talk i don't want to have to wait till november to do that one you know that sort of thing so that's kind of where we've been at i think and we're getting near the top here because this is forever favorites four yeah which means there's only two more movies to do after this our very favorite forever favorites <laughs> yeah which you know we're not actually going to do as a double feature we're actually yes. going to split that into two episodes because we felt that each movie deserved its own episode that's how much we love them and we yes. didn't think we didn't want to have a you know a six-hour recording session to throw at you guys I didn't want to have to edit a six-hour <laughs> episode <laughs> yeah watch us only talk for a few minutes on each one no that won't happen i'm sure anyway right, so the one yeah the ones we've got up today um for me we have 1962's cape fear and for me 1984 wes craven his masterpiece i believe a nightmare on elm street yeah and i'm wearing a wear my freddy shirt for you today yeah and i've got my nightmare i always on elm street. like to represent when i can yeah i've got my nightmare on elm street poster on the wall as always <laughs> okay so first we're gonna hit Cape Fear, because, well, we, we'll get to it when we talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street, I think, why we're covering Cape Fear first. I think um, I think I broke Michelle's brain yes, uh, as yes, we were did. discussing uh, that. But that's, that's for after Cape Fear. Uh, <laughs> so first, I mean, this was the first time I'd watched Cape Fear in a long time. I'm not sure how long. I believe I watched it after seeing uh, the remake again for the first time several years ago when I was watching pretty much everything Scorsese had made. So I wanted to see uh, the original as well. So it's been a really long time, but I was happy to revisit it. And uh, boy, for 1962, this movie's really pretty blunt about some things, even though it's subtle and how it, in some of its wording, 
uh, actions speak louder than words in a lot of cases in this movie. And it's pretty clear what the movie's really about and what it's really dealing with. And it's terrifying. There's a lot that's, um, that makes this in some ways the scariest movie we've ever covered. That's kind of why it's one of my favorites. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, I've seen it. Um, I, I saw it for the first time actually when I was pretty probably in high school or before that it was another one of those kind of like older movies that I caught on to when I was young and like really loved because I already loved like Gregory Peck from like probably To Kill a Mockingbird or something Mm -hmm. right and then I was like oh this looks pretty fun and it's like it's it's a very intense movie but Mm -hmm. I, I loved the style of it back then and everything and it's kind of really gotten more important to me and more um I just I, I get a lot more of it now, mm-hmm. and you know it's been a f- favorite since long before my own like personal experiences can make it kind of a difficult watch sometimes. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, since in recent years, but um, I was fine this time. It's no problem. <laughs> and um, I don't know. So like I've just I guess I've I've hinted at it and before, and I think I said it maybe in passing in a previous episode that. Um, I have experienced sexual assault. And so, yeah, this movie is absolutely terrifying to me when I think about that. And I think about a a character like Max Cady. He is, to me, like the scariest villain in all of movie history, really. Yeah. And Mitchum's playing of him is, for those of, I mean, I was more frankly familiar with the remake. Um, I've seen it more times. Um, I sort of grew up with it, but Max Cady, I think Robert De Niro's performance has got some things in it that are more grounded at times, but like you've said, so much of it is so over the top. It doesn't feel particularly real. You've described it as a cartoon character, frankly, and I tend to concur for the most part. There are a few scenes where it's like, wow, that's, that's frightening and, and very much grounded in reality but a lot of it is just kind of like okay that's that's a stretch for (laughs) that's stretching credulity a bit whereas Mitchum is a hundred percent believable as being a guy that you could run into and he is utterly terrifying from start to finish I mean just the way he walks and holds himself and then the words and actions yes um just add to that uh, as you go through the course of the film. So to have someone as charismatic as Mitchum playing Max Cady is part of what makes it such an indelible performance too. It's not as violent as, you know, movies now are. It's, um, yeah. He's not biting off anyone's cheek. Like, like, like De Niro is. Yeah. Uh. Like De Niro is. Whereas, and they don't even show him being violent, but mm-hmm. we see the effects of it. Well, I mean, you see him attempt to drown a man, but <laughs> or two <laughs> at least, but but that's men. Um, you don't see violence towards women uh, on screen uh, with him, whereas uh, you do see the effects of it. And you hear him tell a pretty horrifying story yes. about it as well. It's that's more about... Really yeah, it's it's more about, and this is why Mitchum I think was the perfect choice for this. It's more about the threat yeah. that he holds over this family through the whole movie, and you needed like I think Gregory Peck even said like that I'm not the star of this movie when he was mm-hmm. um, 
going to start making this, he said, I'm not going to be the star of this movie as Sam Bowden. The star of this movie is going to be the villain. Mm-hmm. It, ha- it has to be somebody who can pull this off, who has who has to have this incredible sense of, of threat over over all these people without them really being able to say anything because that's another really interesting thing about this movie is that it was censored a lot (laughs) it's just so funny hearing the director jaylee thompson talk about this movie and talk about him dealing with the censors yeah he specifically says that they told him that there could never be any kind of implication that uh, max katie was a rapist basically (laughs) It's when, pretty clear. When it is <laughs> it's pretty clear. incredibly clear yeah. that that's what's going on. Like, uh-huh. So maybe we should kind of say um, to, I mean, we should have said this before um, in another episode too, maybe a little trigger warning uh, for this episode. Um, should have said something in the Anatomy of a Murder episode now when, when I'm thinking about it. I made a pretty um, conscious decision on that episode to um, not talk about my personal experience so that I could talk about the just the movie specifics itself, mm-hmm. but might be a little bit different with this episode. So okay. just a little warning, but I always, <laughs> it's kind of weird like to say that. And then for this also to be like, Hey, this is one of my favorite movies, you right. know, but I, I think a forever favorite, you, you know, you think it would be something like, Oh, this is what brings me joy or makes me happy or gives me something. This gives me something too. Like I, I don't know. I'm I'm always I've always been into kind of the darker side of media anyway. You know, just seeing the the emotion on display, the examination of and the portrayal of good and evil, um it's always fascinated me and I think this is kind of representative of that kind of look. So I'm I'm very I mean, you have taxi driver on your own mm-hmm. list. Yeah. So those kinds of stories are important to tell too and those kinds of things can they can really do something for you they make they bleed over into your your real life in a way is like okay now i know like i i have that this kind of it's almost good for me um this comes from being a true crime fan as well it's almost kind of good to to have that knowledge and that fear mm-hmm. that's kind of what helps you that has helped me at least uh, get through certain things yeah i know people often ask questions about how can it possibly be good for you to be a horror fan? Yeah, exactly. It's same yeah. thing with horror. You know, and, and you know, Cape Fear is an is not a traditional horror film, but it's scary. <laughs> I mean, it's truly mm-hmm. frightening. I mean, it's it's it is in a way a horror film. But I think Wes Craven, as usual, seemed to say it best. Horror films don't create fear. They release it. Release it. it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Craven was very critical of the horror genre a lot, too. He was willing to say, yeah, there are things about it that I don't like. (laughs) And so, (laughs) um, uh, and those are interesting dichotomies that he dealt with a lot. And he dealt with them in his movies, which were, except for one that we've already covered, uh, horror films. You know, I mean... I wouldn't call Case Busters a horror film. That was also a TV movie. So that's a little different. But so I I think that idea of releasing fear, that idea of catharsis, of seeing, um, because, and the way that things end up in both of these movies is kind of ambiguous if we think about them in, in certain ways, at least. So there's not the full closure necessarily. Cause I mean the, the, the final shot of this film, I mean, these people look, 
<laughs> they, when they, that final shot of the family is not particularly a joyous, happy, everything's going to be great ending to me. That it's it's not just you know hey we get the catharsis we saw it end and everything is wrapped up and everything's cool. It's not just that. I mean it's something about not that the evil is always completely defeated. That's not really necessarily the point. It's that there's a way to fight. I think. Or there's a way to um, stand up against these things. I think that is cathartic um, yes. in its way, too. So there's a lot of things that I think are valuable about scary movies for a person's mental health, I think. Yeah. And uh, just sort That's of what well they've always being. been for me. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also this sense of. I remember a survey that came out or some study that came out somewhere in the midst of the pandemic that horror fans were handling it better than people who didn't <laughs> <Yeah>. like horror. Because <laughs> like, it's like we were ready for it. Or and we, we were, were all like, yeah, we confront this stuff all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're just able to handle it better um, yep. than people who hate it or refuse <laughs> to uh, engage with it. So I thought that was, those are just some interesting things. And, you know, you know, even there are certain genres certain types of horror films that I don't like that I, but I recognize that they can have a catharsis or they can have value for people that don't work for me. And that's great. You know, Cape fear definitely worked for me though. <laughs> Let's, right. Let me say that I Cape fear was uh, a terrific movie. Seeing it again for the first time in many years, at least 15 or 20 years was like, damn, this is such a good movie. And it yep. handles its subject so powerfully and uh, frighteningly and, did I already say effectively? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is definitely effective. And it is really, it got to me. It really hit me. So I'm, I'm yep. uh, yeah, so shall we jump into actually talking about the film itself a bit? Um, I guess we let should you do that. Sort of, Isn't sort that of, what we're that's what we're here, here for. Um, so oh, yeah. I'm going to kind of let you steer the conversation on this, and I'll I'll uh, come in. Well, let's see. Um, well, first of all, I think we get a hint of Max Katie uh, right at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. Let's not start there. We got to start the very first like few seconds of the movie. Dun dun yes. dun dun. <laughs> yes. The music in this movie freaking kills, kills. And what did you say about it? The other night while we were talking, I said, am I crazy to think that this is Bernard Herman's best score? And you sent me a picture of Norman Bates <laughs> with his hand over his mouth, um, implying that maybe Psycho is his best. Uh, no, that was but, a joke. But I, I know, kind of I know it was a joke. I know it was a joke. But also the hand, oh my gosh, you're crazy, you know, and all that stuff. So I thought it was like the perfect picture to send because uh, it had so many layers of meaning to it. But um, I I'm actually think it's, Brian. I actually, as much as I love the themes to Psycho, uh, the music, psych the Psycho music is, I'm, it's iconic. I mean, there there is nothing. There's until Jaws. I can't think of a horror score that comes anywhere close to Psycho, as far as you know, iconography is just being completely. I mean, what what John Williams did in two notes, hmm? Bernard Herrmann did in one. You know, dee, yeah. dee, dee, dee. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, come on. That is you. There's nothing that is that is as memorable as that. But somehow, and as great as the score to Psycho is, and Vertigo, and um, Hell, I, I love the one to uh, 
the trouble with Harry, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Citizen Kane. I mean, Taxi Driver, Obsession, The Devil and Daniel Webster. I mean, just all of these great, incredible scores that he wrote. This is the one that I think just hits me in the gut mm-hmm. more right. than any other. And, you know, there's the, the way it's recorded and everything. I mean, the trombones just have this blast and blare and there's this shrill, the way the violins strike and everything is just, everything just is, it just, it hits you immediately in the gut. And it's just those four simple notes repeated, you know, with some variation. It, it's, it's incredible. And it gets everything across that you need to know about Katie. I this <laughs> the score is a big part of the reason why I call Cape Fear a horror movie. Yeah, this is this is horror movie music. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it's hits you right at the beginning. And like, yeah, there are there's that that dun 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 that kind of like grows. But then there's also other parts that are repeated throughout the movie. Like mm-hmm. the, when it's going really fast, when it's like dun 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 dun. Yeah. When someone's being chased or something, Mm -hmm. and there's so many like recognizable pieces that you know, I mean, not just because I've seen this movie a bunch, but are so dynamic and so just give you a a a feeling, the feeling of that that threat that you have to get from Max Katie comes out from Mm -hmm. the score too. It's so recognizable to me, and it yeah, it's perfect. I'm glad you loved it too. I knew you would. It's playing in my head right now, to be honest with you. Um, But yeah, I have this uh, CD of different pieces of music by Herman and really the only big score that piece that's not on there is Cape Fear. And I think, I think it probably has something to do with it being in the Scorsese movie because it was Uh, uh, under copyright again, probably. Scorsese is so perfect. Scorsese used it again in the remake. And, you know, and they didn't quite. It's not exactly the same. It's not exactly the same. The difference is they didn't have enough music. So they used some of the unused score from Torn Curtain that Herman wrote that got him fired off that movie by Hitchcock and effectively ending their relationship. Boo. Yeah. And it's a much (laughs) better score than what uh, is in Torn Curtain. I think Torn Curtain, if it had used Herman's score would be talked about in the same, at least on the same level as Marnie is now if if they had used that score because it's that good of a score. And I think it would have elevated the film, which is an okay film. film. It's fine. <laughs> but it's not, you know, it's not one of the of the greats <laughs> of Hitchcock's, uh, Hitchcock's canon. Aww. It has some really good stuff in it. It has some yeah. really entertaining and, and uh, I mean, see the kill sequence that goes on and on and on and on is, is, is very memorable. I haven't memorable. seen that one. That's okay. I've only seen it once. <laughs> and there's only one scene I really remember. Uh, but but that's the score that, I mean, Herman, Bernard Herman was a genius. I yeah. It's hard to say the greatest of anything, really, you know, who was the greatest film composer. I mean, he's definitely in the running. I mean, he's way up there. He's in the top three, at least. Um, One of my favorites. Yeah. Um, so I prefer him, frankly, to John Williams. And I love John Williams. And I love Jerry Goldsmith. And I love, uh, you know, Max Steiner and some of the other contemporaries of his era. But, and Dimitri Tiomkin. But. Pino Dinaggio is always been my, one of my yeah. faves. 
uh, and of course, um, Morricone and uh, people mm-hmm. like that. These are the greats. I mean, these are the upper echelon, and Herman is definitely belongs there. If not, if not, absolutely. You know, yeah. So anyway, I feel like I've probably gushed about. <laughs> I wanted to give you a chance to guess about the music because I knew well, you would. Thank too. you. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. But yeah, it just the music starts and it gives you a feeling of what the movie is going to be right mm-hmm. away. And then I love how it just it, it just kind of starts like there's no um, yeah. kind of lulling you into the story. It's like you're immediately like here's Max Katie, here's Sam, mm-hmm. and you see their dynamic right away, and you get a sense of. Max Katie just before he ever talks, before he says anything, before the credits are done, mm-hmm. as he's um, he's walking into the courtroom to uh, to the go woman see drops Sam. The book and, yes. and he just walks <laughs> right past her. She's carrying this big stack of books and she drops one of them and and he just walks right by, like mm-hmm. you know. I and and even before when he walks into the courthouse, there are these women that walk by and he just kind of gives them this leer. Oh my gosh! And and but then the woman that's unfuckable. There's one of of my five, right? <laughs> that the the woman that he deems quote unquote unfuckable, he doesn't help. I mean, it's just disgusting. But I, that's what I I see in this guy. <laughs> you know, basically, it seems like he is interested in every woman that yes. appears on screen that he finds attractive, in the slightest sense, and it's um, very disturbing. I mean, just even, and it's just momentarily just momentary that little leer he gives uh as he walks into the courthouse he just kind of stares at these women who walk by it's actually done at a distance and not really any attention drawn to it it's just that uh mitchum knew the character mm-hmm. it, it seems like one of those moments where he just did it like there wasn't any plan to do it he just did it and it's exactly tells you who he is it does so, it really yeah. does and yeah. he has more of those these little moments um I, one thing I never really caught on to before is like right before he walks into the courtroom too, he like he crushes his cigar, yeah, in his hand. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, something's something's not cool with this guy. He's mm-hmm. he's a little intense already, and we haven't even heard him talk or whatever. And then we have um, you introduced to Gregory Peck as Sam Bowden. He's a lawyer, whatever case he's working on doesn't matter. But I love yeah. the scene when. <laughs> He's just, um, Mitchum is there just kind of keeping an eye on him, following him, and he gets him, he follows him out to his car, that great moment where he just reaches his hand in and pulls the keys out of the ignition. Yeah. And you kind of find out, okay, you find out in a later scene, but just to say right away. Okay. So Max Katie um, was a a criminal from um, Baltimore. Sam had been up in Baltimore at one point working on a case, and one night he witnessed even though they don't say it because they couldn't say it in this they movie use the he word attack yeah attack a woman was being attacked yeah. yes he says girl actually he says girl That's so right. you yeah. wonder so I, that makes me wonder like how old she was that just yeah. makes it even more disturbing mm-hmm. yeah he witnessed katie raping a girl and stopped it and they uh, when he tells the story he he just says it like you know put the girl in the hospital for over a month it's yeah. like, Jesus Christ and like that's all you need to know about how fucked up this guy is and how how evil he is essentially yeah. and yeah. Sam uh, testified against him and Katie went away for eight years only eight years whatever <laughs> yeah yeah 
Yeah, I, I know. And um, well, I mean, even still like gosh, that, even in that scene where he pulls the keys out of the ignition, he's just talking mm-hmm. to him at the window right at the end of that. I mean, he's just constantly objectifying women. A woman walks, the woman walks by Sam's and he goes, hey, he's like, hey, look at that wiggle. It's not like she doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's horrible. And then he, after that, he says, so you've got a wife. You've got a kind of comments about the. It's like I hear you have a have a lovely wife and a daughter who's growing up to be just, just like her. Like her. Mm-hmm. Sam clearly knows what he's implying here. He does right from the start. Sam is he's. I think he's assuming he's not going to see him again. That he that he was just trying to get yeah. a rise out of him. That just he trying, saw him. Trying and to, yeah, yeah. It's not till um, mm-hmm. the next scene. Uh, they go, alley. Sam and his family go to the bowling alley and Katie is there again. Another the waitress, another freaking gross scene with another yeah. woman. How much that ring means the to waitress you. quite a bit. It's like, well, how much does that mean to you? And he gives her a 20. Jeez. And and the thing is, it's 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 it almost feels now like they're just beating you over the head with what a scumbag Katie. Right. Is, you know, <laughs> but I mean, part of it's like it's like, OK, we can't. The censors are telling us we can't really say he's a rapist but we're telling you he's a rapist yeah you know and we're making it as they're making it so very clear and it's i think a big part of that is just mitchum's performance like Mm -hmm. he uh like one of my favorite stories like from daily thompson is when mitchum tells him like okay you know i get really really into my roles and i really live my roles yeah (laughs) and this guy is a violent rapist (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Thompson just talked about like um, just how he he got really into it, and there was like some apparently some blow ups and stuff that some happened on set or whatever. Yeah, which I believe. I believe uh, it. <laughs> well, well, Mitchum was just a volatile guy. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, I um, think so. He was, heard. you know, there's there's this interview with Robert Osborne from much later. It was like the eighties, and um. Mitchum just totally stonewalls him and is a total asshole to him. It's it's Aww. just and it's available. I, love Robert it's, it's, I know, me too. It's and, it, it, and 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 he talks about it later. And the thing is, Mitchum was just like, "I'm just fucking with you," you know. <laughs> but it, I would not. I guess I would he was not like, know how to he, he was read like, because he's Robert Mitchum exactly. and he scares me. Yeah, he it's was just this like this and Night of the Hunter, obviously, yeah. like two incredibly scary villains and it's, yeah. it's both him and i believe i i'm more scared of him in this one yeah. than i am in night of the hunter but then you see him in in like the cape fear remake where he's a nice guy yeah. and he's and you're kind of drawn in or something like uh I, I think it's called holiday affair with janet lee where it's a real sweet <laughs> little movie and he's he's plays sort of a jimmy the, the kind of role that jimmy stewart would normally be cast in uh, and his kind just, of woman is a great one. Yeah, okay. I mean the the range on this guy. I mean, my mm-hmm. gosh. I always think of him whenever I think about Kate Fear. It's like okay, I feel a little bit better when I think about him um, in Scrooged. <laughs> oh right, <laughs> he plays Bill Murray's boss. <laughs> good, good, good point. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean to to have played Max Cady, and then I I forget the name of his character in Night of the Hunter, but. Two characters that I mean, when you think of villains of the classic era, they those are both way up there towards the top yeah. of that list because they are just terrifying. And part of it is 
a, a big part of it is just Mitchum and his skills to so get good. to enjoy being evil. And that's something that I think that's one of the reasons like Robert Englund, for example, was cast as Freddy Krueger is because he could really play being bad and enjoying it. And Mitchum has that exact same quality. And uh, yeah, I don't want to give away too much of the Nightmare on Elm Street conversation. But <laughs> I, I think that you see watching this because after having not seen it in a long time and having seen Nightmare, you know, dozens of times recently, frankly, I could see this as being just a killer double feature. <laughs> kind of works yeah it's amazing it's It's amazing how well this works as a double feature i thought we would just kind of put them together like oh these are the both the kind of yours is obviously horror mine is the kind the most horror of my picks but yeah yeah they ended up we found a lot of interesting uh comparisons not the least of which is that the daughter's name is nancy (laughs) nancy (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and but i mean in mitchum you see sort of this joviality in messing with people you know, sort of this joy of screwing with people before you hurt them. And then, you know, even the hat. There's a scene that in the school that's just like, oh, my gosh, she's hiding in a boiler room. I mean, it's just, it's just like all this stuff. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. <laughs> uh, it's wild. But that that bowling alley scene is essentially the equivalent of a theater scene in the remake uh, where... <laughs> He's smoking the cigar and, and, you know, laugh and disturbing everyone, you know, but here he's just, he's not fixated on messing with everybody. He's just watching them. But in his mind, that is him messing with him. Just him being there is messing with him. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's what he wants. Mm Mm-hmm. And he actually talks to him in that scene and, and Gregory Peck just sort of ignores him for a minute. I I, th- I thought that was really. He just said that. Then he just all of a sudden just turns to him, you yes. know. And it's well, very he, like, taps deliberate. Him on the shoulder, and he knows it's him because he had seen him. Yeah, he spotted him earlier. Uh, yeah, Gregory Peck. He's, he's tries. almost like if I just ignore him, he'll just go away. He tr- Gregory Peck tries so hard to be the tough guy, but God, he's got nothing up against Mitchum. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. And because- Katie, really, it's really the dynamic between Sam. And Katie and the differences yeah. in those characters. It's good versus evil. Yeah. And, you know, Pretty Gregory much. Peck is not a tough guy, a movie tough guy. Uh-uh. I mean, he's the intellectual. He's the measured. I mean, he's Atticus Finch. I mean, I think yeah. Atticus Finch is probably pretty close to his actual personality as i understand from everything i everything i know about gregory peck i mean you know and he's great that's why he's so great in something like the omen you know where he's that character still and you know he's also in some in spellbound you know where he's a doctor sort of or something that he made he's not what he appears to be but Mm -hmm. Even then, I mean, it was it was is an he's an intellect. He's an intellectual character, whereas Mitchum is a physical character. I mean, the way he the physical actor, the way he moves. There's a scene coming up where it's just like uh, coming up really quick, actually. So <laughs> maybe we'll get to it soon. But so this is where after this is where he goes to talk to his friend, the police officer played by Martin Balsam. Well, just to talk about um, the mm-hmm. Bowden family. Yeah. In general, like they're pretty much portrayed as like the perfect little mm-hmm. American family with, um, you know, good guys. Sam as the husband, uh, Polly Bergen um, as his wife, Peggy, and yes. Lori Martin as their daughter, Nancy. Nancy, um, the casting of her is 
is another big part of why this like this movie really gets to me because I think she's supposed to be about 14 yeah. in the movie. Lori Martin is so small. And so she really she is. She looks like a ch- she looks like she's like 12 years old. She looks like an absolute child, especially really compared does. to Mitchum. I uh, I never uh, I don't talk about her enough when I talk about this movie. I really want to say that Lori Martin she's perfect for for this role and she does it so yeah. well and she's so effective in in her little moments that she has and um well Jaylee love... thompson wanted Haley mills, Haley mills. Yes. which who i think would have been great i really do think she would have been great at this time good this was think okay so if you're familiar with like disney movies think parent um, trap. think her around the time of the parent trap would be around this time that about her young in this Think about her in this yeah. role. I think she would be terrific. I really do think she would have been yeah. great. But I think I think what Laurie Martin does is she's great at it. I mean, she's really good at portraying the the the, the fear and the, the fear, uh, all of that. And um, yeah, she and you're right. She's so small. I mean, she. I mean, my daughter's thirteen, and she's not small she's almost as tall as i am um but i mean so you see this and it's just there's this very childlike element to her and um which just makes it kind of gross you know um you know to to see i mean this was another thing that dawned on me especially during one of the scenes with with her uh on the boat later where she's Mm -hmm. sort of and and mitchum's just kind of watching her i just went you know this was the same year as lolita yeah. And there's a there's sort of a Lolita yeah. there's sort of a Lolita quality to it. Though she is not Lolita. She's not, no. She's in no way Lolita. Though maybe Mitchum has a little bit of Humbert Humbert in him, you know, in the sense that he is obsessed with young girls and is not too concerned about their innocence, let's put it that way. No. And yeah. uh, yeah, no, this one's hard, isn't it? it, it this is really <laughs> tough, and you know, for me as a as a dad, uh, like I just mentioned, of you know a thirteen year old girl, I mean, this is just uh, it's it's really tough to to watch a movie like this, um, for those reasons. Because I mean, this is a lot of a lot of ways watching this is you know, this is a parent's worst nightmare. Yeah, uh, it's Absolutely. just terrifying. You know that some creep could be after your kid. And the law can't really do anything about it. But if you break the law, it makes it worse. And it, it all sorts of things that happen in the course of this movie that deal with sort of that crazy morality of it all. You know, you know where <laughs> where is it okay to take the law into your own hands? Is it going to help? Is it going to make it worse? And that's another thing that both movies deal with. They both kind of deal with the sins of the father thing, too. Yeah. Um, Except in, like we mentioned before, in this case, Sam doesn't do anything wrong. He doesn't do anything wrong. <laughs> in fact, what he... He did at, the absolute right thing. He did by putting him away. Yeah. Yes. But for some reason, in Max Katie's like warped, stupid mind, he blames mm-hmm. Sam for um, him going to prison. And it's only like, Sam. And only Sam. He wasn't the only witness. They don't really explain that. Yeah, they don't really explain that. I think... Sam just says, like, you know, he made it pretty clear at the trial that he blamed me. Well, I think Sam is the most credible witness, probably. You know, because he's an outside perspective. 
He's, he's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. He's respected in his community, all these sorts of things. So I think that's probably where some of that comes from. Like anybody uh, else probably could have been discredited because, mm-hmm. but because it was Sam, that's probably why he went away for so long. I bet. Not yeah. long enough at all. No, obviously. it's not. Clearly it's not because he's, he's certainly not rehabilitated, <laughs> you know, to say the least. He's the kind of person that I don't think ever would be either. No. No, Absolutely. and he's not He's not interested in it. And he either. doesn't want to, yeah. No. He's just kind of portrayed as evil to his core. Okay, so this is why, <laughs> I don't know, I just always want to talk about like Max Katie because that's the main reason why he scares me and why he's, I know we talked about like the human monsters before that like you don't really want to call somebody a monster. Max Katie is a fucking monster. Mm-hmm. And he is, I think the, the biggest thing, for me that makes him that is that he is so unapologetic about what he is. Yeah. He knows what he is. He's not afraid to like, like be a creep right in front of Sam. Sam right. knows what he did and he knows to make those comments and about not only other women, but about his wife and daughter because mm-hmm. he likes it. He knows what kind of reaction that's going to get out of Sam. Yep. He knows it's going to scare him. He knows it's going to, you know, frighten him and make him worried about his own family. And that's what he wants. And that's what he likes. And that's why his whole thing in the movies, because he blames Sam for his conviction, his, what he honestly, what he plans to do is he's just going to rape his daughter. Yeah. And it would not just be the act that he would get pleasure from. It would be what he does to this entire family. That's his whole That's his whole motivation in this movie is not it's not just raping the daughter. It is he wants to completely destroy his whole family. Rape is very much illustrated not as a in this movie and not as a sexual crime, but as a crime, but as power. It's about having power. Exactly. It's about having power over people. And I think it's very progressive in, in the way it views that because, you know, it was so often. I mean, even into the 80s and things like that, you would it was more often viewed as a or portrayed as a sex crime. Yeah. It's like Whereas, we're talking about broadcast news. Like, right. For us kind of mm-hmm. yeah. as rape stories being told as, as like sex stories in the news. When mm-hmm. it's not. It's, it's not. Very, it's incredibly violent. It's about violence. It's about power and control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's about power, manipulation, control, uh, all those kinds of things and violence in, in the case of. Uh, certainly in the case of, of Katie, because that seems to be where, where what he enjoys is the violence of it, mm-hmm. having the power over someone or yeah. a group of people because of it. And he, anyway. knows, he knows how evil he is, and he knows mm-hmm. that Sam is good and mm-hmm. that this will fucking destroy him, and that's what he wants. Yeah. He makes it and clear with lines of dialogue. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are explicit lines of dialogue that he says, that, you know, it, like in the cabin. Our favorite, well, our, one of my favorite lines and the line that's in our intro kind mm-hmm. of says it like you just took the law in my hands and I'm going to break your heart with it. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what he's that's what he's that's what he wants to do. That's the whole movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then at, at the end where he's talking with uh, Peggy, he's like mm-hmm. consent and all that stuff. Yes. If you. If you consent, you know, he'll forgive you. He'll know what, what you'll have to have to do, but he'll hate you for it. You know, I mean, it's just like, not, maybe not that, it, no. it's essentially, it's like, I mean, that's, it's what he's implying is, is sort of like he'll, but he'll still resent you. 
even if even if he know, understands and says that he understands what you did, why it was to protect uh, Nancy and, and yeah. these sorts of things, he's never going to forget it. Or even in that same thing yeah. um, on the phone that he says to Peggy, he just, I think he says that, I think that's what he says to her in that, the, the egg scene. Uh, yeah. Too. <laughs> I think what he said, what he's saying is like, I can do the, he's basically saying I can do this to you and maybe y'all will get through it. You're not going to forget it though. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> and I think that's actually where Which the movie true. ends up, because the, like yeah, I said, they exactly. express yeah. when they show the three of them at the end. I mean, they, I mean, it's, they're not screaming and laughing like maniacally, like Sally at the end of Texas Chainsaw, but they have a look on their face that is like that's going on inside of them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, like they yeah. just escaped this maniac just barely, and you know he's going to jail. So, I mean, we're getting way ahead supposedly, here. Supposedly, yeah. But but he, uh, is it guaranteed? I mean, is it was eight years last time? Is it going to really be for life this time? Well, he's got they got him for murder now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But that's what I mean. Like I'm just saying, like that's why he's a. This is such a more diabolical plot than just getting revenge and just like yeah. you know just killing somebody or just torturing him somebody like we get another like revenge movies like he wants to d- emotionally mm-hmm. you know he wants to destroy them he wants to destroy their relationships with yeah. each other and it that's just that's fucked up and also and, ah. you know i think to some extent i think katie wants sam he wants to pull sam down to his level he wants him to you know, do what, you know, Telly Savalas's character says to do to yep. to beat him up, to get him to, to hire the guys from the, he knows from down on the waterfront, you know, which is the euphemistic yeah. way of saying the mob, uh, you know, to, <laughs> to, to, to mess with him. And then I really think he's just trying to drag him down to where he is he's just saying, because I mean, there, there are different lines, you know, like uh, when Diane says, you know what you are? You're rock bottom. Rock bottom. Yep. You know, a girl can't go any lower than you. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, uh, there, there are all these hints to that sort of thing that, so when, um, cause Sam is planning on killing him. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. So we, we should probably, okay. Do no, you know where we like... left off? We left off way back at Martin Balsam hearing the story <laughs> about, uh, about well, what forget. he did. Yeah. This kind of ties into it, too. But, yeah, like when you're saying, like, trying to bring Sam down, because at the same time that Max Cady is very evil, he's also incredibly smart. Yes. Because Sam tries to bring in um, his friend, Chief Mark Dutton, mm-hmm. played by uh, Martin Balsam. Yeah. We've already yeah. talked about it before in 12 Angry mm-hmm. Men. 12 Angry awesome Men, of course, uh, Arbogast and Psycho. So he at first he just contacts Dutton because, you know, he's like, I don't know what to do. And they obviously have some kind of history together. They're friends and they try as long as they can, as much as they can to go through legal ways to um, get either just get rid of him or make him leave, make him like feel very unwanted in the town. So when he said, when Sam tells him that he's scared of this guy and you can see it on Martin Balsam's face when he tells him the story, he's like, yeah, this guy is probably not good news. You know, he's, he wants to help his friend and which it's also maybe Sam's uh, Sam's downfall because I think it just makes Katie angrier. Because oh, yeah. in the next scene when they they pick him up, he's like, "Oh, so you guys are friends?" 
Mm-hmm. Ah, of course you are. You know. Yeah. That scene is really interesting because he's, he's just yes. sitting in the bar. He's drinking. He's looking at the woman who he, has not been identified at it as of yet. And, yes. you know, she's with another guy, you know, mm-hmm. and all these sorts of things. And he, as they're leaving, he says she, and he kind of hits on her and she says, that's a, that's the one little funny moment when, she, when exactly, she's like, she says, are, you, are trying you trying to pick, to pick me, pick me up? up? Yes. He says, yes. The way he says yes is, yeah very funny and you can kind of see him being the charmer yes and uh which makes him again i think even scarier perhaps Mm -hmm. you know that he's He's got like a southern boy good Mm -hmm. old boy thing about his accent the way he talks the way he talks to people yeah it doesn't work on me but he's obviously charming to other people Well, when he's taken into the station, it's interesting because he pulls out a card and says, you know, I didn't spend eight years in the can studying law yes. for nothing. So and he, knows- I, he knows exactly his rights. He knows exactly every loophole um, that he, he knows can- how far he can go. He knows mm-hmm. how what he can do and still get away with intimidating Sam. Uh-huh. Like one of my favorite parts is later on at the pier when he says yep. I never he touched tries to him. provoke him. He tries to provoke Sam and it works. Sam goes to hit him and he does that like it looks weird. It's weird. I mean, does, it's, he's, he's like he he's like punching move. him sideways and stuff. It's like he doesn't has never used his fists in his life. Clearly, <laughs> yeah. and I think Gregory Peck, as you know, being a leading man role for him to play it that way is really kind of funny. I mean, it's it's just showing that he's real a real actor and not just mm-hmm. a movie star. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he's 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 letting his image be a little bit weak. A little bit, you know, yeah. silly. I mean, he fights the way, frankly, I would fight. Uh, probably, I, I don't think I, <laughs> I, I would probably try and land a punch, and it would be something like that, you know, because right. um, it's just not in his nature to do yeah. it. But he's being forced to do it by this by this guy. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what he's. That's what Katie is trying to do the whole time. Uh, but like, yeah, I like that part where he's just like kind of reeling back from him and Whoa. not. He's because he. Because he knows mm-hmm. that he can't touch him in any way. He can't. There can't be anything that they can. Um, they even though they do. There's a later scene where he gets a lawyer and they've they've picked him up before on other stuff. Trying again, trying to like get rid of him. But he knows his rights. He knows what he has to do. He he went to his parole officer and you know they tried to get him on vagrancy, which I guess uh-huh. like if he didn't have a certain amount of money, like right. they they could have arrested him. But he knew that too. Yep. And he's because he shows him like the checkbook. He's got like, you know, some mm-hmm. money from the sale of a family farm. A smart, yep. evil villain. Mm-hmm. He is this guy is all of that. Cause, yeah. And I think Freddie yeah. is, too. And I, I think we'll get into that <laughs> a little bit. I think Freddie is a smart, purely evil villain, too. Yeah. I was amazed at how much these had in common. And one of them is that physicality. I mean, part of that is what, you know, both Mitchum and England bring to the respective roles, you know, is a lot of physicality. And during the strip search scene, mm-hmm. to me, it looks like Mitchum is like flexing. He's the way he's standing. He keeps on like puffing, puffing his, his chest. Puffing his chest out. Yeah. It's like, it's like he's a rooster, you know, sort of asserting his dominance in yeah. that scene. And I loved that because, I mean... Jeez, I mean, because he's really, he's large. He was a big guy and yeah. not just tall, but he, I mean, he's got he's muscle. I mean, he's strong, <laughs> uh, clearly. And just seeing him sort of p- 
puff himself up like that, you know, in 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 this group of men, you know, needing to mm. sort of assert his dominance there, I thought was really just an interesting piece of physical acting from Mitchum. Um, that I think is really uh, d- d- goes a long way to tell you who Katie is, you yeah. Because he doesn't do that around, you know. Because other scenes where he's shirtless, he doesn't do that so much, you know. Like um, the scene with Diane, of course, um, but then also at the end where he is in the water and stuff, he's mm-hmm. not he's not doing that same sort of flex thing. It's, it's <laughs> he's just sort of carrying himself normally. And so I thought that was interesting there. He's playing up even more of the intimidation game with mm-hmm. Sam. Sam describes it as like, I think he's starting a war of nerves with me. Yeah. And in this scene in particular, I think he comes to that war of nerves with all these cards on the table. Like, like I said, like knowing what exactly he can and cannot do yeah. and what, what will get him caught, how far he can go in his threats to Sam, even though he does some, not just um you know the assault on people yeah. uh he's he um kills, Dutton, kills Dutton unfortunately has to um let him out because you know he's got plenty of money they can't arrest him on vagrancy like they cha- like they planned right and the next scene um is their dog marilyn has been poisoned yep so does the dog die in this movie yes the dog dies yeah, the i'm dog sorry dies, you don't yeah. see the dog you don't see the dog beforehand though it was just an interesting part yeah it's <laughs> i don't it's, know if you i don't know if you like barely see her in like that first scene when he comes home or whatever but you just mm-hmm. hear her barking mostly yeah and, yeah you know, so he the, poisons the the family dog another thing again that they cannot prove that he did right because he probably just like threw something out of the car window or something as he was going by right you know, and then the vet says nothing that they can, nothing that Sam can prove, nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the vet says it's a shame that Nancy had to see it, and he says, "Well, that Sam replies, well, she was well, meant to see she it. Was meant to see it.' Again, it's that dominance, it's that power that he's mm-hmm. trying to assert. I love the scene where um, Sam finally decides to tell Nancy about him. Mm-hmm. The way that that's framed, so like um, yeah. Nancy's kind of in profile, and Sam is off on the other side, and just. She, uh, this is why I would kind of want to talk more about her this yeah. time around than I have before because her facial expressions and her fear of him, it doesn't sound like he told her the truth about maybe what Katie really was, but right. that she still knew because she, her fear of him is so palpable. Oh, yeah. So yeah. palpable in, mo- in a lot of the scenes, especially the scene where she's being chased through the school. You know, mm-hmm. oh God, that one time where she's screaming, just like, no, no, no. She's like, she really gets to me. And she's so yeah. good. And she really helps sell the threat of Katie. The threat of him throughout the whole movie is really what scares me. Is like, like you said, you don't really see any truly violent acts from him. You see a right. lot of implied stuff or they'll just they'll cut it off, you know, right before right. anything happens, you know, just because of the time and the sensors. But you definitely feel... The, exactly what he's capable of yeah and what he could do to you and that's that's uh, that's terrifying you know i i think where they don't show some of that stuff i find it to be even more effective in a way though um Mm -hmm. than even then because like in the remake where they just show everything yeah uh, it's it's too much yeah whereas here it's it, it imagining what happens to Diane is much worse, <laughs> I think, than mm-hmm. 
than anything. I mean, just it's really frightening the way that's all set up. But then, you know, also Peggy is she's they show her sort of uh, laying in bed. She's not really asleep and they're sort of superimposing her with the conversations that she and Sam were having about Katie and Nancy protecting Nancy, what to do, all these sorts of Mm -hmm. things. And um, she wakes up and goes down the stairs and she thinks that Katie's in the house, but it's just, (laughs) it's just the coat and hat hanging on the, on the door. And it's, it's just like, ah, it's really well done and scary and suspenseful. It's very Hitchcockian um, in, in without it's, he doesn't, I never feel like I'm watching, you know, someone who's aping or ripping Hitchcock off in this movie. I feel like the influence. Yeah. You can feel the influence, but it's not like the visual style is being copied or something like that. That's not really happening. But the rhythm of the editing, some of the suspense, the ways of building suspense are similar, I guess, in a, in a good way, in a good way um, that makes it really effective. It's just language of mm. cinema kind of stuff, you know, not, hey, let's do this exactly the way someone who's notably good at it does it, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I think the black and white is so perfect for this kind of story, too. The darkness it's, of it is so yeah. n- is so necessary because um, I mean in this Especially early sixties you were making a lot of movies in color by that point yeah so um, to have it in black and white at a time where you could choose this was that beautiful time where you could choose, you could choose yeah. to have a movie in color or black and white and it would sort of like not really make a huge difference financially either way um, that was a pretty brief period of time you know. Because before that, it was like, well, color was extraordinarily expensive, you know, up until the late 50s or or black and white was just passe, you know. So it's sort of like this short period of time where you really had that choice of of one or the other. And it's a cool thing um, that he chose to do this in black and white. He said he only saw the movie in black and white. Yeah. And I can only see it in black and white. He said color would spoil it. And I, I kind of agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, the darkness of the shadows, the photography, just the contrasts that happen, mm-hmm. um, I think are just so, are just are so much more effective in black and white in the, for this movie. Like, especially I think in the, um, the climactic scenes at the end, mm-hmm. when they're on the river, like the, just like the, the richness of the, the blacks in the river yeah. And in the woods, as he's kind of like, they're, they're all kind of like sneaking and hiding around. And that last scene is so good. The scene where he's, um, where Laurie is running through the school and there's, um, and I, I, I noticed this and then I felt kind of smart because I heard Thompson talking about it. Like, I was like, oh, those railings look really cool. Like the really black mm-hmm. railings. And really he, black, he said, yeah. and he said he had made a point. He's like, I want those like really black, pa- like painted black railings. And I was like, yeah, because it totally works. Yeah. And they, I guess they were actually too light so that the DP yeah, had, had them painted, um, which is great. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's really has an eye for that kind of stuff. Definitely. And the movie not- looks beautiful. And, you know, J. Lee Thompson, I don't think, is given credit for being an extraordinarily visual director. Mm-hmm. But he, really re- I mean, th- this is a good example of one where he very much is. Um, so after right. that, we're, we're introduced to Katie's lawyer, who yes. is uh, kind of a slimy guy, to say the <laughs> least. During Not... that whole scene, that whole scene, you have Katie just staring at Sam 
the whole mm. time. Never peels his eyes away from him at all. And it's uh, it's pretty intense. Legally, um, his lawyer is not really wrong. Nope. In um, defending him and what they're doing. They are kind of intimidating him yep. in a way. And they have a good moral reason. They don't have a good legal reason is the right. problem. And I love um, Dutton's line to Sam when he tells him to hire protection. That mm-hmm. thing of, so you, the police, are telling me to hire protection. That's where we're at right now with this guy. Because as Dutton says, like either we have too many laws or not enough. Yeah. And it's still kind of a thing when you when you get into like stalking and everything. That's still very much a thing the whole exchange between dutton and Bowden there is really insightful um mm-hmm. because it talks about you, you know can't we, punish a man for what he something might do. that's in his mind it's something that he might do um that's dictatorship that is not mm-hmm. i mean that's like that's like you know minority report you know yeah <laughs> you can't you can't pers- prosecute someone for something they that you think they might do you make you laws much know they might do, but you right. don't really know. Yeah. You, yeah. Laws are reactionary. Laws are made after someone does something wrong. I mean, it's. <laughs> Which sucks. It sucks. But I mean, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of I mean, how what else can you do? And yeah. that's the that's the thing, because because we as humans cannot predict the future. We don't, we cannot foresee everything that's going to happen. Or, I mean, we can make judgments because of human nature. You know, mm-hmm. we, there are things that we can expect and we patterns we can see, but we cannot know for sure. And that's um, one of the tough moral ambiguities that makes this movie more interesting. Yeah. Um, because, because uh, Gregory Peck is not, just a good guy in this movie he's you know he's but he's for yeah he's forced to go over that mm-hmm. moral line but yeah. because what what else can he do that's right he can't he cannot go up against this guy by himself Mm-mm. and the law is not going to help him that that yeah that's that's the whole moral issue i mean it's like y- you be- you understand it you want to be on his side Mm-hmm. And it's just so funny when I think about the remake too. Like, uh, I think this is such a better story to tell than what the remake does in a way where Sam is kind of at fault. He is. Yeah. I mean, I like, the, the I like, okay. I like the moral ambiguity of that though. I got to admit, <laughs> I, I really do like that in, okay. In the remake, he is, he was Max he was Katie's, Katie's lawyer. Yeah, he was, he was his lawyer and he buried a piece of evidence that would have set him free because he knew he was a rapist and a horrible person. Buried a piece of bullshit evidence for one thing, but whatever. oh, I know, I know. But in the eyes of the law, <laughs> yes, you know, it, it it's it's that's the situation, and so it's a. I kind of like that. This is a much I, more I straight. <laughs> this is a much more straightforward narrative, you know, and yeah. and I think I ultimately like this movie better, but. I personally do kind of like a little moral complication <laughs> in my movies, I guess. Well, this Sam has the moral complication. Yeah, there's a too. lot of moral complication he, here. He does everything he can. He he knows. I mean, yes, no, you cannot know what someone is going to do. You know exactly what Max Katie is going to do. He yeah. tells him what he's going to do. And Sam tries through legal means. He tries to protect his family because he knows he can't handle him on his own. He can't mm-hmm. 
stoop down to his level and be as violent as he is he katie pushes him to that level and he doesn't want to i don't yeah. know yeah yeah <laughs> i um, like how he just he basically comes full circle by the end of the movie where he does. he's he does and that, that's one of the he, great he things about the way this back. movie that's yes. the one of the great things about the way this movie ends is i i love it, the ending know, of this yeah, yeah I, I really do okay so um charlie Seavers, played by telly savalas with hair I never knew he had hair. Um, <laughs> it seems like even in the old Twilight Zone episodes, he was bald. But um, here he is um, with a yeah. full hair of hair, maybe a wig. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is some interesting. Bald. No, he's bald. In the later scene, you see him bald. Oh, yeah. Oh, I guess you do. When he's on the I phone. I guess you do. Because when he's talking with Diane, he's got hair. I swear yeah. he's bald. And then later when yeah. he's right before he's going to go have Katie I think you tail might him right. to the river. I think you might be right. Yeah. So, yeah. But he's got hair huh. in the in the scene where he's talking with Diane. Anyway. But, <laughs> anyway. Tully Savalas uh, is the private yeah. detective that uh, Sam hires to follow mm-hmm. Katie. Before that, we have um, the scene of Katie and Diane Taylor, the, the girl that he had seen before um, at the bar. Are you trying to pick me up? Unfortunately, yes. he does pick her up. Mm-hmm. I don't know about this scene of them in the car. It cuz he's she's saying these things like like oh you're just a beast of a man, you're an animal. Like what do you know about like beauty in the world or anything? And he says something like yeah, keep talking me down like that, baby. I like that. I does he really mean that? I wonder or if he's oh, like gosh. I don't I don't understand that part. But uh, I he's just trying to like work himself up to I think to he's just kind of showing his whole you know, I still, you may think these things about me, but I still have more I'm power. Worse. I have more power than you. It's yeah. like, you're right. I am an animal and I don't care. Yeah. You know, and I think he that line about relishes because I mean, and he is compared to an animal on multiple mm-hmm. occasions, uh, not just by Diane, uh, by the end of the movie. I mean, talking about, being caged and all these sorts of things. He's very Sam calls uh, him like the dregs. He's like the lowest mm. of the dregs of society. Yeah. And he yeah, that's the thing. He doesn't fucking care. No. Uh, yeah, and I think that's where again, I mean, that's where I see a lot of Katie in in the Freddy Krueger character. Mm-hmm. Um Krueger doesn't care. Yeah. 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 In the words of Robert England, he likes his work. Mhm. Yeah. So anyway, and you kind of see that callousness in Katie too. You see it especially in um, this next scene, which yes. um, the one that really, really, really gets to me every single time um, is the scene where he attacks Diane. Mm-hmm. Not a word is said yeah. in this scene. She's Diane just is lying, in laying the there bed. in the bed, and you kind looking of looking beautiful, frankly. She's gorgeous. Yeah, she's gorgeous in that. Barry and Chase is the actress. She's yeah. beautiful. She. She, I mean, I know she's dressed in black, but she looks somehow innocent. And, you know, I, I think she's it's... She's got a, the eyes. She's got yeah. the eyes. When she does her eyes in a certain way, she looks uh, She looks so innocent and terrified. When before, she's trying to act like kind of the tough girl, like going after mm-hmm. her, like, oh, maybe I'll I'll go with this, the bad boy. Right. Not realizing how bad, you know, he really is. And just the scene, that music is, again, I think it's a little bit slower. It's like the... Mm-hmm. Dun, dun. In this part, as Katie is 
just kind of walking around. He's, he's shirtless. He's kind of walking around her in the, the bed. And when he they kind of show up, her through the bars of the bed and stuff yeah. like that, it's it's very interestingly shot. If it starts out with like a shot through the doorway or the window or yeah. something. Yeah. And just the her slow kind of turning to like, I, I wonder in that scene if they've like, if they've had sex already and this is afterwards. I don't know. You know? I don't, I know. don't know. And and he um there's a moment where you're actually put into uh Katie's POV, I think. Mm-hmm. The way it's shot. I mean, most of it is is Cuz it kind of like distant follows. But his there's movements. this one shot that where it's like, "Oh my gosh, Thompson just put us inside the head of this guy." Mm-hmm. And it's really disturbing to be yeah. there. And I think it's supposed to be. It's very disturbing to be there, but you know. And then, and then all they do is just. But that part where he, yeah, he's he's at the end of the bed, and and she she's looking at him. She's just all of a sudden she can see it. Yeah, you, know, you can kind of in her face because she gets a very very concerned look on her face. And then he's standing there at the end of the bed. He starts like kind of breathing a little heavier. Yeah. And then and he's look as he's looking down at her and then yeah, he just balls that one hand into a fist. Yeah. And you're absolutely We're- terrified for her and she sees it and mm-hmm. she has like just one second where she gets out the she- bed and tries to get away and he grabs her and and they just shut the door on they shut the door on us i mean it's like violent the way it shuts the door on on the audience i mean it just closes it and they just suddenly the doors are swinging a little bit is always scary yeah what you imagine is always worse than what can actually be shown yeah because they just call this like that he beat her up later on i'm pretty sure that he beat and raped well, her she's naked. here too she's, she's naked she, she's naked yeah. under the sheet i mean they're well, they're they making it they're making it pretty clear that yeah there was a yeah. there was a, a rape was part of it and you know my gosh when the pa and when um charlie and the other police officers they you know the one cop says something like nobody in this fucking movie knows how to talk to a rape victim no no i mean well she says she's kind of weird I what can't the fuck does that a, mean? I can't get her to <laughs> spill a thing. And then, you know, Charlie goes in there and it's like, you've got the law on your side. Why not use it? And no, she doesn't. All this stuff and this... he He's he's making like, you know, you need to protect yourself. This is going to be better for you if you talk. And, you know, his he really just wants to help out Sam. He's not trying yeah. to help her. And it, The law is not on her side. If the law was on victim's side, he would have gone away for more than eight years. Yeah. For apparently raping and like almost beating to death another woman. Yeah. I mean, if this woman was in the hospital for a month. Yeah. I mean, for goodness sake, that's it's like and, and the, she even says that it's like, you know, if you talk, if you testify, he'll he'll go to jail for assault for six months. Six months. Are you kidding me? And <laughs> she says, you can't help me. And he says, but I can. He said he said to consider this only a sample. And from my limited knowledge of She's human so nature, Max Gosh. Katie isn't a man who makes idle threats. And I, the, all that stuff that she says and the whole thing was like why she doesn't want to talk. It's like, I have a family. I have a mom and I'm dad. I'm someone's daughter too. I'm someone's daughter too. I don't want to have to tell them what he did to me. I don't want my friends and family members in my hometown news to read what happened in my hometown newspaper. 
Mm-hmm. I it's very I mean I, again, I mean this is the kinds of stuff, you know, like Dirty Harry is very much about victims <laughs> rights and things like that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And um this this is that was, you know, 10 years later and things were still um on this level and oh gosh, it's just this whole scene is is so um it's so difficult. It's so challenging and it's um it's very progressive like i said i mean it's saying yes. this is a um this is it's very clearly saying this is a problem folks and this is something that um we need to be thinking about victims of people like the max Cady's in the world yes. you know the victims of these people because this is quote unquote fiction but these people are out there yes and these victims are afraid to talk and it makes sense why so we got there's something that we need to do about this and i think that is the powerful central message in this movie is that i think because i mean on its face this movie is a simple pot boiler you know it's a it's a crime film it's a it's a neo noir i mean it's it's yeah. it's not exactly a noir cuz it's sort of late era for that but uh-huh. But it's definitely got sort of that moral ambiguity and all that stuff that is yeah. dealt with in noir. But it really has these important messages in it, too, about yeah. how um, victims are treated, uh, about, how scene in the particular, law, yeah. about how the law works and doesn't work for some people. And it's it's fascinating and uh, it's, you know, it's relevant. To now. I definitely got that too from yeah. this last time I watched it with that scene with Diane. It's like thinking about like what she's just been through. Like you just you're surrounding her with men and you're coming at her with these questions, not taking really taking care of her, not even asking her, you know, how she is, but like literally threatening her with showing her pictures of right. dead girls. I know. I could show you pictures of people that have been. What attacked is that about? Like, was that gonna help? I mean, what I think it's about? pretty. I mean, Telly Savalas's character is kind of a slime ball. I don't like. I mean, <laughs> he's he's, and I don't think Sam I don't like li- him for that part. I don't think Sam likes him at all either. You know, because I mean, after all of this, he says, "Hey, here's my advice to you." You know, I know some guys down on the waterfront that can uh, kick this guy's ass for you. Yeah, and I suggest you do it. And he's an animal, so you got to fight him like an animal. And essentially, yeah. you need to sink to his level, you know. And that turns out to be bad advice, um, because that is where it comes into. That's when the huh, you you, and it's a little. <laughs> it, he he's kind of finally pushed to that level when he says when he actually does send the people to to go and beat him up a little bit later. He's like, I didn't touch you. You sent, I know it was you who sent these guys to beat me yep. up. And you know what? You did exactly what I wanted you to do. And you just put the law in my hands and I'm going to break mm. your heart with it. Well, before that too, is yeah. like uh, that at the pier. Yeah. Oh gosh. With uh, when Nancy is there on the boat and he's just leering at her. And he's just leering at her. Yeah, and it's, it's so gross. This is where and, the whole Lolita uh, thing came to mind for me was this scene. Yeah. And um, another thing, like, She's so small. It's a summertime. You know, she's wearing these little shorts and she looks like she's about 12 years old. She's just a very petite child. And you see um, like later on when she's actually 
being chased on the boat by Katie, like she barely even comes up to his shoulder. Her head does. Right. And just, I don't, yeah, those scenes where, where he's looking at her or where he says something like, uh, she's getting to be just about as juicy as your wife right. to Sam is. And that's when he tries to it's hit gross. him. That's when yeah. he tries to hit him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which, so yeah, that, that, I understand that provocation, you know. It's yeah, like exactly. if someone said that about my daughter, it's like, I would want to strike out immediately, too. Peck doesn't usually look like that angry. Oh, I don't know. But he has that one little thing where he just kind of, he looks back at him, and like, he has, like, a quick little, like, eyebrow raise at that line. Yeah. Where you can see that anger just wanting to come out so oh, bad yeah. and he just wants to fucking kill this guy probably mm-hmm. in this moment for sure with even just the the threat the threat that he knows he's got over him that's uh i, don't, I can't even imagine yeah it's <laughs> pretty awful and then <laughs> then this whole thing that where he tracks nancy to school i mean school's out um peggy was picking her up and uh she nancy Makes goes and sits in the car i mean she's just waiting for her to come back from the store. We find out she went to the store. Then she sees Katie because she she's heard the description. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and she's seen him now. Well, she saw him at the pier. Yes. Saw him at the pier. And so she knows who. That's another line where she's, looking. you can feel that fear. You're like, she mm-hmm. says, that's him, isn't it? Yeah. And she looks scared. <laughs> oh, she looks terrified. <laughs> and yes. it, it's even more. Yeah. In this scene, when she sees him coming towards her. Yeah. And she runs off uh, into the school. And it, it, I love the way that this is shot because it's not actually him. No, it's. Um, but her it's her fear of him that yeah. really drives this scene. So there's somebody. It's like the maintenance guy or whatever. Yeah. At the school yeah. That she hears. He, she hears the footsteps. I don't know. That's just what really gets to me is like it is her fear of him is so strong that she's she's running around. Oh, then the way that she. At one point, she like ha- she's up against the lockers. Yeah, and she looks so scared, and she's like sweating, and mm-hmm. God, she kills me in this scene. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, I know, and then and then she gets hit by <laughs> hit by the car, you know, because she's yeah. just so frantic. Um, I mean, she doesn't get seriously injured. I mean, she gets uh, a bruise, and you know, she gets a little banged up from it. But I mean, she's not like you know, no broken bones or anything. But she's. Uh, and when Peggy comes comes mm-hmm. up to her, she. Uh, Nancy's just like he's here he's here yeah it's like a it's like a small child like having a nightmare you know like being woken up from my nightmare about a monster that's her that's Mm -hmm. what her reaction feels like very much so very much so and you know later you know when they're in bed you know I'm sorry Sam I thought the store would only take a second you know and it's just and that whole idea she's blaming herself because I wasn't there I was just doing normal things but now apparently there is that is not possible uh, and it's just where all of that parents' worst nightmare stuff comes up. And it's like yeah. um, that whole scene between Sam and Katie in the restaurant. Okay. <laughs> Whew. Yeah. Um, another very intense scene. This movie has several very uh, intense scenes. Um, yeah. This is where, well, after, um, after the thing where he, with Nancy at the school, Sam obviously gets upset, tries to you know, do the the manly thing and grabs a gun and walks out of the house. But Peggy stops him. And I think what she says there kind of uh, leads to the next scene where she's like, you know, don't do this. Pay him off. Get him out of here. Do something. Do whatever you can. Don't don't kill him. Like, I know you want to go out and kill him right now, but you can't. And right. I love I love her reaction in that scene where she says 
when he's going to go go after the guy and she's like if you do i'm gonna call the police and she does right away and so she's she's just another side of their conscience she steps over the line too yep later on yeah but so yeah they um they they meet up and sam is offering to pay katie off to yeah to leave and it's and not insignificant i mean twenty thousand dollars i mean especially in 1962 that's a <laughs> lot of money i mean this is Clearly not what he wants, though. Yeah. He's uh, it's like value of eight years, the value of a family. Sir, $20,000, huh? I do not believe you've heard of the, uh, <laughs> what is it? The minimum, oh, minimum wage, wage. Yeah, act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought that was uh it's a it's a weird line it's a funny line but I, and that's a little bit of the charm and the smarts that Mitchum yeah. brings to it. But that story uh, he tells of his wife. But then he, yeah, he tells the story. Him. That's a lot. That story is absolutely. I'm horrifying. surprised. Yes, I'm surprised that they got away with any of that. I know, because I mean that's clear. That, I mean that's, that's pretty clear. clear. I mean because it's like I made I made it's, she she um, she remarried a plumber. Yes. And after I got he out, had, and, he had a wife and a kid. And yeah. when he went to jail, oh, he says in this line too is like it was the prison rap that the fact that he was in prison that made his wife leave him. And he says specifically that was your doing, counselor, not mine. It's like yeah. okay, uh, pretty sure you're the one that did the crime, but whatever. He's unwilling to take any responsibility. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's safe to say the guy's a psychopath. You know. Uh, pretty much yeah yeah uh so yeah, he doesn't have wife, a lot of empathy for anybody no not even his wife his uh mm-hmm. wife who yeah remarried had had more kids with another guy and god <laughs> i can't even <laughs> like he basically says that he kidnapped raped and probably tortured his wife for three days three days yeah and if it, is like if you turn me in i'm going to send this uh letter that oh, you yeah. wrote she she forces her to write a letter to his, to her new husband yeah to to him saying how much uh he said a lot of colorful words or something like that uses an expression made her, like that made her use a lot of dirty words yeah yeah it's black. It's just like if you tell me I'm going to send a, a, it wasn't yeah. a Xerox, photostat copy of <laughs> <laughs> photostat, <laughs> 1962, um, yep. to to that plumber of yours, you know. So there's just all this um, sense of blackmail and that comes up later too uh, mm-hmm. in the scenes between, with the, the egg scene, yeah. Um, yeah. So... Uh, and then that, just that line that he has at the end too, when he says, uh, "Like I threw away her dress and her shoes." And yeah, uh, I think the implications are pretty clear. Yes, you know. Uh, so again, the censor, I'm kind of like, movie. is the censor doing <laughs> doing their job? If that's really right? what they were, if that's what they were trying to avoid, it's um, almost worse. Well, in a way, I mean, I'm almost like, is it? <laughs> were they thinking, oh, it's his wife? Even if it was, doesn't make it right, folks. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's no. just, it's just disgusting. That story, I think, is probably the thing that sort of got to me the most in this. It always does. Yeah, it's really, 
and the thing is just the way it's told and just yeah again the, nothing you have to see yeah it's just the way that it's told mm-hmm. who's telling it and the skill of the performance yeah you know the skill of the writing and the skill of the performance uh, also go <laughs> it's part of what makes it as horrifying as it is, is the fact that Mitchum is just so damn good at playing this guy. Not, not that you needed another reason to to hate this guy or be afraid of this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and this is here's another one, and here's it's kind of another. Well, it, I think it kind of leads into this is where this is when Sam kind of fully realizes yeah. what his plans for him and his family is. Yeah, it's that um, it's a, it's Nancy's it's Nancy's after, and he'll get to her sooner or later unless yes. I stop him. Is what he says. Mm-hmm. He realizes that it's not just like like I like I said before, it's not just the act; it's the fact that he's that he wants to destroy all of you by doing yeah. this, and that he doesn't care, and that he will do some pretty horrible things to get the revenge that he thinks he deserves and leave the value. A, the value lasting impression so, the value that he's so much talked about you know yeah it's like this is this is the um you think you're safe because you know you've mm-hmm. got this wonderful little you know family i the, can come in i can come in and fuck that all up this is the only payment that equals what he thinks was done to him mm-hmm. it's uh which is it's that's, sick that's so evil that is it's so sick incredibly and evil. sick yeah uh, and that whole scene uh, there where uh, he's talking with Peggy and he says, yeah. if Nancy were attacked, the way he says that, I mean, obviously they couldn't say the word raped, but mm-hmm. I, th- I think honestly that, that, pause. that pause speaks volumes, but I also think it's fairly authentic because if I was in a situation like this, talking about my own child... I would not want to use the word raped. Yeah. I would use a euphemism too. And I think, I know it was a necessity of the code era, but it feels very authentic anyway. There's a lot of power in in that word. In those words. I think there's a lot of power in that pause. (laughs) That little pause that he gives before the word attacked is, I mean, that's, that's great acting too <laughs> I mean, uh, just what peck is <laughs> yeah. doing there he's very deliberate about how he's delivering those lines and then and, we, um yeah go ahead. i definitely i definitely get this scene with um mm. uh with sam and peggy um in a different way than i have before because what he's what he's really harping on to peggy about what they would do because you know he says you know if she were attacked you know would you would you call the police? Would you want him arrested? Want him arrested? And she says, "Well, of course. What are you talking about?" And he's mm-hmm. already he. It's like he's gotten so into his mind that he knows that this is what he's what he's really after is not just the act, but what it will do, the lasting effect that will it will have on all three of them probably yeah. for the rest of their lives yeah. is what he's basically talking about, and what he's. What Sam is mentioning, he mentions, you know, the fact that she'll probably have to testify because he'll mm-hmm. deny it yep. and that she'll have to answer probably inc- the incredibly difficult and invasive questions and give really detailed answers. And like, um, that's fucking hard <laughs> yeah. to do because um, uh, I've done that uh, mm-hmm. now. 
I is part of um, my healing from what happened to me. Like there's always it's that question of, you know, what's worse, having no one know or having everyone know. And part of me feels like um, no, no, no one is owed the details about anything. It's that's simply for me. But I, I felt the need to to do that recently. And I, I wrote my entire story out on on Twitter and posted it with all the details of what happened to me both times that I was assaulted. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> And I, and I get the scene a lot more now. I get the, the, the knowledge, the way that it can kind of maybe change your relationships with people. It's one of the reasons why I, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to tell my family uh, about what happened to me. Because I don't know about having, even if they, they treat me the same and it seems like things are better, I'll know that they know. Mm-hmm. And that's what I kind of get from this scene. Too, yeah. you know it's like that that's gonna be the the lasting impression that this guy has had on this family is like this is something that doesn't go away and it's not and if this happens to either peggy or nancy it's not going to go away it's going to change them in some way forever and yeah just the thing about the, the that's what really got to me this time is just the details because i get that now yeah yeah Okay, so uh, that's uh, nothing. <laughs> no, that's that's extremely vulnerable, and uh, thank you for sharing and being open. I was just giving you a second. That's all. I'm fine. Okay. Yeah, those this sequence is uh, again. I mean, from the point of view of a parent, it's just sort of like considering you know, what could happen and the challenges of dealing with that and knowing that has happened. I mean, I, my personal negative feelings would be towards the perpetrator, (laughs) you know, uh, and not in any way toward my child, but it would be clearly a, an unbearable burden for that child. And to know that they're carrying it would be an unbearable burden burden of its own that that scene i mean it it doesn't have the fireworks i guess quote unquote of something like the stuff with diane for example but what is happening there is um is probably as strong in its own way you know because it's dealing with a lot of the same subject matter of the need to testify and Yes. Um, all those kinds of things and, and what that means for a victim to share those kinds of things. That's, that's not easy at all. No, no. <laughs> and no one has ever, no one has made me feel, I'm it's just, no one's made me feel uncomfortable for having done that. You haven't. Thank you. Um, so, uh, and I'm still the same person that I was mm-hmm. before and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get through it. I'm going to be fine. It's just, yeah. There is, it's, un, it's a, it's like something was unburdened, but at the same time there, now there's, there's the burden of the knowledge that you just have to integrate into yourself now. And that can be just as hard. I think, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. all, it's all about, it's all a process of, of healing and, and learning, learning to live with it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's not something that anybody or this family is going to 
get over mm-hmm. soon. Max Katie knows that because he's just that fucking evil. Yeah, and he... But he would even think of this. Well, and that's what he wants. Is yes. The thing that is so horrifying, you know, is he wants their destruction and he knows this destruction is so much worse than just killing them. Or just raping them. Right. It's not the same. He knows he... And he. I think he... Like you were saying before in the scene in the jail, like him kind of puffing up his chest. I think he he knows he's a very physically intimidating as well as you know like he's physically intimidating and with his his words mm-hmm. um he's very intimidating and he i think he knows that and he knows that the threat is enough for a while to keep mm-hmm. him satisfied because um the threat obviously scares uh nancy incredibly yeah. even even if i don't know that she knew like really the details of of what he did it's like she could feel that again i kind of understood that a little bit more this time too that even though they couldn't say anything implicitly or even really imply it it, it's totally there and just that threat of sexual violence is very scary because again i've i've been there too Mm -hmm. i've been in that situation where um i i wasn't raped but my assault was still uh, i would say fairly violent where i was touched in a in a way um in a sexual way and it was a prolonged assault and i didn't know i didn't know what he would do uh, how right. far he would go and that was um that was terrifying well, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was really terrifying and with katie it's like that that made me even more i've always been you know this way felt this way about him i've always been like so scared for for peggy and nancy but this time it's like i was even more scared because I had never before when I had thought about this movie, I before my own experiences came into it, like I never I didn't know what that what that threat really, really felt like. And it's 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 a lot. And it's very it's very scary to be in that situation and not know what um, what someone might do. Well, yeah, of course. And the fact that you're not that you might not be able to do anything about it. Yeah, he's that's why this movie it gets to me. This is why it's like, this is one of the scariest movies ever to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just in a different way than we usually think about with, with horror films, like different kind of villain, just as terrifying. I think a villain that is, you know, exists in the real world is, uh, you know, that much more frightening, you know? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, <sighs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, it's, I'm glad that you, there's no need to be, there's no need to be sorry, for sure. Uh, where were we? <laughs> um, we're at where Katie gets beaten up. Ah. Yeah. Ah, what a lovely scene this is, doesn't it? You beat him up with a chain. Chain. Nice big old wound in his stomach. They actually had to too bad it pair that back a little bit, too, actually, as it I turns know. out. The violence uh, had to be pared back a little bit um, in that sequence, Wish I guess. it was worse. Yeah, <laughs> which and we do get in the remake. He gets his ass kicked. Oh in God! The remake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well so you could thank uh, Scorsese and Schoonmaker for that one. But yes, um, yeah, he does get his ass kicked. I love that. Yeah, and uh, then there's a scene um, when he calls Peggy. Mm-hmm. He calls Sam. Peggy answers the phone. Uh, again, yeah. these lines here. He's just he's so good at saying just the right thing 
to be both gross and incredibly, incredibly intimidating. He has the line about, you know, you know, I'm going to break your heart with it. And then when he's like, I got a caper, you know, plan for your wife and daughter. Right. And it kind of, it kind of ends with the, you hear his voice trailing off with like, you know, you know, they never going to forget it. Yeah. That's what we were talking about before. And it's like, he knows exactly what he's doing and how evil he is. And just, that's why that's, uh, I just keep harping on this, but like, that's why, like to me, like he's the scariest villains because he's evil and he knows it and he doesn't care basically. Mm -hmm. And he likes it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that is just terrifying to me. <laughs> well, and then we you the know, thought we, of possibly meeting somebody like that in real life because we know that they sure, exist. Sure. And, you know, this is also the very next scene is where we have Sam realizing and telling telling Peggy, basically, the only way that we can stop him is to kill him. Mm-hmm. And he mentions that even in the restaurant scene. Yeah. It's like, what if I were to come back after... You I'll just kill you. <laughs> me off. He says, well, then I'm going to kill you. Yeah. You know, and uh, so this is where he's actually discussing that with Peggy. And she says, I can't believe we're standing here talking about killing a man. And he says, it's essentially, Sam is trying to justify murder, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, hey, I, I understand you know, I, I'm not going to go into exactly why, but I mean, you know, personally, but, uh, but I, I get, <laughs> I get this. Yeah. So, I mean, when he gets the gun, he's going to leave and, and he's going to just kind of take care of things. And she calls the police, you know, yeah, that was an earlier scene. Is yeah. that an earlier scene? Okay. Mm-hmm. This is where, um, the, one of the guys that beat him up, he's actually, um, he's actually talking about you know who hired him to beat it up, and I love I kind of love that there's a scene between Sam and Dutton, like he's literally making a plan like with the police, yeah, to to kill this guy, and he's going along with it, <laughs> right? Because yeah, they've I think they've pretty much crossed that morality line that we're that we've been talking about. They've been inching closer towards it. You know, having him beaten up was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But now they're actually planning on on murdering him, or Sam is. Yeah, because this is the whole thing thing where Peggy is sort of suddenly she's she's on board because uh, yeah. he says something like uh, nothing will start until I call Charlie Seavers, and Peg says call him, call him. Yeah. So okay, this last part of the movie it gets a little mixed up in the the whole uh, the logistics of it of what's happening yeah yeah i it's, you know because it's, I mean, like, it's like who's on the houseboat and then there's a yeah. house and there, there's a house yeah, on the shore on yeah. the shore and basically you know. sam's plan is that he um grafton comes grafton katie's lawyer um comes after him because the guys who beat him up have talked and they they know that sam's hired him or whatever yeah. and sam's got to go before like some you know committee because he it's possibly going to be disbarred. Right. Which honestly, maybe he should, you know, yeah. legally, uh, there's a thing like legal, moral, you know, yeah. legally, yes, he should morally fucking kill the asshole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, morally. Yes. Legally. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Take us back to Nightcrawler last week. Right. Anyway. So yeah, there's this whole elaborate plan where Sam is supposed to be in Atlanta. So he's going to, um, while he's, you know, quote unquote gone, he's going to take his family to their houseboat on the Cape Fear River, which is where mm-hmm. title comes from. 
I love the story of where this came from too. Yeah. It's like um, he wanted Gregor Peck wanted to change the the title of this from the the novel that it was based on called The Executioners, which is a and title said, that I don't really understand. Right? You know, if know. the story's if, the if, same, if I really don't yeah. understand that title. If it's the same story, it's like who's yeah. the Executioners? The yeah, Sam. Yeah. I don't know. But he's yeah. Gregor Peck said that um, yeah he always thought that like location locations made good you know titles for movies and he said he just kind of like went up the east coast of the united states uh, until he came across cape fear river in north carolina yeah and so apparently it's a real place and it's yeah cool. it's it like perfect freaking perfect title for this yeah so anyway so they got a houseboat there they're basically going to have katie think that sam is out of town and that his wife and daughter are alone on the houseboat, and that's going to, and that that he's going to go after them because he thinks Sam's gone. Sam's actually going to circle back and be there. And when he, he, I always wonder like what he's um, he's talking about because um, Dutton says like for trespassing, like you can't shoot a man for trespassing anymore. And Sam says it'll be for more than trespassing. So, <laughs> right. So I don't know, like, what he's gonna if he's gonna allow him to. He's gotta allow him at least to do something to to justifiably kill him. I don't know. <laughs> I just yeah, wonder what was on I, his I, mind. I just wonder what was on his mind that, like, how really you're really gonna let him anywhere near your wife or daughter? <laughs> yeah, I don't really. Or maybe he's talking know. about himself. Yeah, maybe he's talking about himself. Like he's mm-hmm. gonna let him attack him. Yeah, it could be. It's hard to say. Yeah. So, yeah, so basically they're just going to lure him there, yeah, yeah. and at some point, um, Sam's going to shoot him. So there's a whole, yeah, so there's a whole bunch of sequences of them like figuring this out. Yeah. But when we finally, we find when we finally get to the end, basic the final confrontation mm-hmm. um, at the boat, Katie again is a little bit of a step ahead of them, even though he doesn't really know it at the time. He doesn't know that um, Sam and this other guy, um, another deputy Kursik is hiding out there waiting for him because Katie like, you know, takes off his shirt and everything kind of like slithers yeah. into the water instead. Cause they expect him to come from the shore. You know, it's always like, I don't know where the, or the layout of everything is on mm-hmm. the river, but he gets a little further down and he stops and he's watching, um, he's watching Peggy th- in the boat and he spots Kursik, uh, cause Kursik makes noise. Damn you. Yeah. And, uh, Katie kills Kursik. Which is a kind of a intense scene because again, yeah. Mitchum just Mitchum shirtless, and <laughs> for some reason is just like so scary and intimidating. It to is me. intense, he just, yeah. Isn't he? He mm-hmm. just the look of him is so intense. So, um, what happens after that? Okay, so he kills Kursik. He gets on Sam, the boat. Right. He gets on the boat. Sam mm-hmm. doesn't know that he's there, and he goes after Peggy. And this yeah. is the egg scene. The egg scene. What do you think about the egg scene? Right? The egg scene is um, <laughs> terrifying. That that whole thing where he just crushes the egg, you know, just to freak her out, you know, mm-hmm. and it kind of gets on her, and he's rubbing it, and he's talking rubbing about it on her chest. Yeah, yeah, he's rubbing it again, around just letting her feel that fear of the oh, threat yeah. of what he's going to do. Yeah, and you know, he's talking about well. And she says it's something like, you know, if you if you attack me, then, you know, you're going to jail. And says, well, not if there's consent involved. And that is the whole thing where she's essentially he essentially blackmails her. It's like, 
if you have sex with me, I'm not going to rape your daughter. Well, at least not today. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's the thing is like, cause I could always, cause he says I could always get it on with her. Yes. I mean, he actually uses those words. You know, I could get it on with her tomorrow or the next day. I mean, it's, it's not blackmail. Usually it's coercion and either oh, way it's, it's rape. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just more of Katie being so repellent. Yeah. And so terrifying. And I wonder if he if he does this just as another kind of way to 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 play with these people because he wouldn't really do that. He wouldn't just assault Peggy because his whole his whole thing this entire movie has been Nancy. Yeah. And he's just saying he think he's just saying that to Peggy. He's like, I don't really to, beat he's, it. He's he's trying to, he's playing with his uh his victim. I mean he's it's the cat. He's playing and with the his mouse. power that he has yeah. over her and trying to make her think think that she has a, a not a way out but a way to protect her daughter when she really doesn't which yeah. is again fucking evil yeah and the scene okay the scene with um him and, and nancy ah mm-hmm. that's intense too oh, right yeah. well i mean because okay so sam gets on the boat he finds peggy lying on the floor and Peggy pushes him away at first. I, I think that is really very real feeling. Um, and then and then she realizes who it is and, and just sort of melts back into him a little bit, which is uh, proof that she has not been <laughs> raped, uh, I think. <laughs> you know, no, um, I don't think so. Yeah, and um, says, uh, he only wanted you to get away from her. I mean, it's Nancy. It's always been Nancy. That's what he's after. And you s- see that he's climbed out of the houseboat and that's yeah. gone after her <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah again and the way that this scene too is shot it just really shows the the, the physical difference between these two characters in the scene um mitchum and nancy on either side of the room like with that little ping pong table where yeah. you know where she and her father have been playing ping pong earlier just uh mm-hmm Another kind of little heartbreaking little detail. It's, Once that happy times here kind of thing, you know. Yeah, it and turns now this the, uh, now this guy is around, here. Yeah, yeah. But it just you can just see how how physically intimidating he he is against her. Like I said, uh-huh. she's supposed to be fourteen. She looks like a friggin' child, and it just breaks my heart to mm-hmm. see her up against this guy. And especially just to think about the actress up against Robert Mitchum, who's probably like really getting into his role. <laughs> And he yeah. has to like drag her out. He's got his hand over her mouth and like holding onto her wrist as he's like dragging her out. And the look on his face when he's doing that really gets to me. Mm-hmm. I can't even really describe it. He's just kind of, he's like, it's like he's kind of smirking and he's kind of turned on maybe even a all little right. bit. Well, I think he is turned on by the power of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, then we have uh, the the whole chase through. I'm sorry the... for this movie. I love this movie, but I know it's tough. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. No, what? Why are you apologizing to me? Uh, anyway, no, just having to talk about this. It sucks, uh, right? It's, it's, so, it's, it's tough so stuff much. to so talk intense. about, but I mean, it's stuff we've dealt with, you know, a few times now, um, mm-hmm. and so I, I think it's uh, important stuff to discuss and, and dig into. And this is. You know, between this and anatomy of a murder, it's like, wow, this is stuff that people have been thinking about. You know, people have really been dealing with it for a long time in different ways. Yeah. So, but um, 
that then there's a whole chase between the two and because uh sam's got a gun and Katie has what is a it's not exactly a pickaxe but it's something it's like yeah, it's yeah. Like a, it looks like a stick or something like yeah. attached to she's it. She's got a board end. with a nail in it. Um <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's whatever. I mean, he could do some real damage with it, that's for sure. Pretty but, much. And there's a lot of a couple of these stretches towards the end that are very long stretches that don't have any dialogue mm-hmm. that are just seeing and suspense like and stalking, looking and stalking yeah. and all these sorts of things. Another great example of just he, the photography. Of yeah. Then when they're like kind of trying to hide in the trees, there's the shadows. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so, so good looking. Of course, for me, the most interesting thing about this section is the fact that Sam has the opportunity to kill Katie. Yes. And he okay, so yeah, they have a doesn't. Little, he, they they have yeah. a little fight. Mm-hmm. They grapple in the water. It's actually really cool. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, the two of them yeah. They, I they mean, fight in the water. It's on one of the posters, you know, with yeah, Mitchum, yeah. Mitchum sort of strangling, you know, yeah. Peck in the water. Drowns him, but uh, Sam kind of plays possum and belts yeah. him with a rock. Love that part. Yeah. Yeah, and the, this uh, final confrontation, Sam's got the gun on Katie, and Katie... Katie practically wants him to kill him. Yeah. Practically wants him to do it. You know? I think so. But yeah, Sam makes the right decision in -hmm. this moment. Because we're going to, we're going to nurse you back to health. Uh, You're going to live a long life and uh, it's going to, you're, you're going to get better and you're going to spend the rest of your life this time in a cage. Uh, Again, that animal metaphor Mm -hmm. with him. The only time in the movie that Katie looks scared. Yeah. Is in this moment. Mm-hmm. Because he's lost. Yep. Anyway. And, and the thing is, is he's won and he's lost by the, at the end of the movie. Yeah. To be the, with you. <laughs> the, yeah, I agree. I agree. Because like I said, I mean, they, instead of, because they sort of pull back on, on that showdown, you know, where mm. he's, where Sam is standing over him with the gun. And then it cuts to them being picked up and by the police and they're in the boat. Uh, an actual like a, a motorboat and the just it's a brief shot but the shot of the three of them it's like a three shot of the family mm-hmm. sitting on the back of the boat is really chilling way to end <laughs> the movie because clearly they are not going to be okay <laughs> at least not for a while here yeah yeah i think they seem like a very close loving family yeah that is not afraid to to tackle these issues. You know, they're not a family yeah. that's going to be closed off from their emotions. Well, I mean, I the fact gonna, that... I think they're going to get through it, but... You see that even early on when when Sam decides to sit Nancy down and tell her this yeah. is the situation. You know, I mean, treat her like, you know, you need to know this and we want you to be safe, so here we go. I like that about that family dynamic, you know. And, you know, it's the kind of thing we, we try to do, too. I mean, if there's something... It's like, okay, this is the situation. We got to talk about this thing. It hasn't been anything that serious, thank God. But I mean, it's, uh, but you know, things come up, you know, and and having uh, that that open family relationship, I think is, leads to ability to, you know, deal with some of these sorts of things too. I I mean, not that we've had exactly these kinds of things happen. So, um, yeah, but you can see that possibility there, but it's going to take time for sure. And this is something. Yeah, they will. They probably will get through it. But in a way, just like Katie wanted, they'll 
still not really be the same. They'll never be the same. They'll never forget it. Even though nothing really happened to Peggy or Nancy, got, what they went through with him was bad enough. That's well, fucking traumatic yeah, enough. I mean, it's bad That's enough. fucking traumatic yeah. enough. Yeah, it's pretty traumatic. Just the idea of someone having the intentions yes. of doing so is pretty terrifying. So, Whew. I love that movie. I'm sorry. No, it's a great movie. It's a great movie, and I was glad to, to revisit it. I watched it twice, actually, before this recording. So, you know, is lots of lots of stuff to grapple with and deal with i think it's fascinating um it obviously hits me on a different level now than it did when i first was watching it and first was really loving it i just i love the um it's a thunderstorm this is exciting for our next part of the show <laughs> nice Ooh. so like i said i love i love the the morality questions i mean you can go either way on, on stuff like that, you know, you're like, uh, this is kind of right, but it's also kind of wrong legally. Um, it makes you kind of grapple with your own morality. It makes you think of, you know, what could I do? What would I do in a similar situation? Mm-hmm. You know, you want to, pro- you want to protect the people you love, but you can only go so far when the other person is willing to go all the way pretty much to yeah. do, to do what they want to do to you. That's terrifying to imagine. And, it really is. The actors are fantastic. We've already been through this. Yeah, the actors are fantastic. And it's a really fascinating movie that I don't really hear a lot of people talk about anymore. No, not a lot. Not a lot. It's it's, uh, one that is, I mean, I don't know if it was ever, you know, one of the sort of you know, top it doesn't thrillers feel like one that of the, people it discuss. It feel like one of the know? known classics, you yeah. know, as much as a lot of other mm-hmm. movies do. Which yeah. really should be. Yeah, and I think so too. I mean, even with the remake that was so high profile, you yeah. know, it, you don't hear about it. You don't even really hear about, I don't really hear about the remake discussed that much either. No. Uh, not in the last 15, 20 years at least. Anyway. Are we done with that one? Yeah, I need to I take think a, I've, I think I've had enough. <laughs> Okay, so we talked a long time about Cape Fear, a little bit longer than we expected. So we're going to actually split this up into two episodes, and we have a whole another full episode of Nightmare on Elm Street to talk about next time. So uh, stay tuned in your feed because we're going to release these as two separate episodes. <laughs>